you know, I hear this from a lot of people that the, the clients don't want data. They don't want to, they don't want the data. And I, I don't think that's true at all. In well, my experience, the clients want the data. We just don't give it to them. So we now do. You can test that's it. Something that, that's something that we do. We give them the data. We make sure they know what do they score on their outcomes assessment? What does that number mean? What do they, what do they want to score? What is a good change? We do all kinds of data analysis with them because it gives them fuel to say, here's my goal. Here's how I'm going to achieve it. Here's what I'm working on. And they are invested. Hi there. Welcome to OTs Get Paid, the podcast for OT entrepreneurs, where we learn about everything you need to know to move from thinking like a therapist to acting like a CEO and making good money along the way. Are you curious how to continue to be true to your mission of helping others as an OT and get paid what you're worth? Do you want to know the best tips that add zeros to your bank account? Do you wonder how other OTs do it too? I'm your host, Trish Williams, a Canadian, a mom, a not-so-closet choir nerd, and occupational therapist of over 26 years. I spent most of those years loving my profession, but secretly wishing I could get paid a lot more. Did I feel like I had an important job that had great impact on my clients and society? Check. Did I also wish I could feel validation in that work through getting paid enough to feel financial freedom? Check, check. So finally in my 40s, as a single mom who needed to get real with my income, I built two six-figure businesses, including my latest as an OT entrepreneur coach at Trish Williams Consulting. And through this, I heard the secret shame that others felt the same way too. So I'm raising my voice and raising my profile of this issue and probably raising my prices. I'm here to talk about OTs making money. So let's do like Scrooge McDuck and dive into those giant piles of gold coins and get swimming and start this episode. Welcome OT entrepreneurs to the OT's Get Paid podcast, episode 88, where today we are doing another deep dive coaching session. Thank you to all of those who filled out the podcast listener survey. We had so many wonderful responses. We make this for you. And as a reminder to those that have an OT business, you often want to be surveying your clients, your traffic, the people who are in your circle to find out how you can improve. And that was the intention behind the listener survey. We had an incentive tied into it, and that was to win a free 20-minute clarity coaching session with me. And our next guest not only submitted some really great feedback, but also was randomly chosen to receive this coaching session. So before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit about this guest's answers. One of the questions we asked was, what makes this pod valuable? And our guest said the credibility of me being an owner of two successful OT businesses. So that was wonderful feedback. Thank you. And what does she like most about the podcast? It was the guest speaker and variety, which I bring up because I kind of love. This is a full circle moment, right? She's now the guest speaker and she's going to be bringing some variety to our podcast episode today. 
We have heard again from people that they really loved listening to the live coaching calls, which is why when I approached our next guest and said, hey, I didn't bring this up, but do you mind if we turn this into an episode and press record? She was very game. So today we are here to welcome Kristen Knuckles, who is an OT leader and educator who is passionate about providing high intensity, accessible intervention for adults with neurological conditions, including brain injury, spinal cord injury, and stroke. She has experience in evidence-based clinical practice, academic research, and a niche private practice. And in 2021, she co-founded Amago Rehab. I should have checked if I'm saying that correctly. She'll correct us in a minute. Offering OT telehealth for adults with stroke with a wearable robotic device that is still pre-market R&D phase. She has also been a Harvard researcher previous in this iteration, which is something I'm going to bring up and ask her for a reason you're going to hear in a minute. So today we are going to welcome Kristen Knuckles. Welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Being game is kind of my MO. So (laughs) it's your brand. Yep. It's part of my brand. Mm -hmm. I love it. Leaning into opportunity is I'm sure a huge part of your story. One of the parts that we want to get to is tell me about being a Harvard researcher for four to five years, because that's kind of a fancy thing I want to lean into. And then we'll talk more about that. Yeah. When I, when I give presentations in the last couple of years, I talk about my clinical journey and then I say, and then of course the natural step was to become a Harvard researcher, which is a joke because why would an OT expect to become a Harvard researcher? Um, and I also like to tell people that I turned down the job a couple of times before I agreed to accept it. Um, the, the long, the longish story is that my husband and I and our family moved to Boston for his postdoctoral fellowship. So after a PhD, a research fellowship at Harvard, because when Harvard says yes, you also say yes. Um, so we arrived there and his uh, primary investigator was looking for a clinical voice to help create robots for the upper limb. And so um, he asked me if I would help. And I terrified, you know, said, no, how, how would I help you? What, what would I do? What would my skills do for a group of Harvard engineers? Um, And he was a little bit persistent, which was fantastic because then I joined and realized they need our perspective. Um, And that six month contract turned into an on, now it's a startup company. So um, that's the, that's the shorter end of the story is, you know, I was working on a medical device in the lab research setting. And then we realized that it was ready for, it was ready to come to the market. So now um, I'm one of the co-founders of this company, Imago Rehab. Um, which has a soft robotic glove for home-based stroke recovery. I want to talk more about Amago Rehab in just one moment. But one (laughs) of the things that everybody loves in the OT world is the fabulous small world story. So right before we started, and then we stopped because I wanted to get more of this like live reaction, is I used to live in Boston as well. My children's father was a graduate student at Harvard. And so we found out that we live, how many like, what would you oh, say, a kilometer walk. or a mile? Yeah. 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 Like five, five, five mm-hmm. minutes for each other. Mm-hmm. And then I said, well, <laughs> it should come to you, Kristen, as no surprise than having lived in Cambridge. Um, and we actually didn't talk about this part. Did you love your Cambridge experience? Did you love? Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love it. You know, it's Me such too. a fun place to be. Harvard community was amazing. Totally. Right. Yeah. So I will say that I was not a student at Harvard. However, one of the things that happens in graduate students, I'm sure they still do. I think this is how they ensure their billion dollar endowment is to make the partners as happy. So I actually was 
paid $90 to be in the Harvard Partners Club, which gave me a student card. So the only thing I couldn't do as a partner was write an exam. But I rode for the team. I was in the musical. I audited classes. We lived on campus. And I also worked at Spalding Rehab in downtown Boston. So I felt like I had this incredible life of being swept up in the excitement and all the opportunity in the Harvard community and also really getting to know Boston, which is a city really close to my heart. So because of those were almost my salad days, I said to Kristen before, it should come as no surprise that I named my son Charles, to which Kristen said, I also named my son Charles. <laughs> and to confirm, that was because of the river, yes? The Charles River, because we it was part of our family life. We walked along it. We had picnics next to it. It's Same. the most beautiful view. Same. So, so I could see, like, people would actually come into our kitchen because I had a picture taken from our apartment building that overlooked, like, we had a balcony that overlooked the Charles River. And it was like on a... Um, on a, on a regatta day. And because I had rode, people would come in when we moved from Harvard, et cetera. And they were like, oh, is this a postcard? And I'm like, no, no, no yeah. it's just a picture from my, my, yeah. my building. And I just think that is the coolest thing. It's really cool. Can. Yeah. Our, ours went, goes one step further that my children have kind of this accidental water, water theme for their okay. name. I won't go into it, but, but with the last one, it was like, okay, are we going to just solidify and say, yes, this is a water theme and it is the Charles River as the final like capstone to this experience. Oh, I love it. Does he go by, does he have a nickname or is he Charles? Yeah, same with mine. Same with Charlie. <laughs> and how old is your Charlie? Turning two. Okay. See, mine is 22. So we've got, yeah. we've got it. We've got a gap there. But okay. I just wanted, this is not because it's about me or about Kristen, but also because there's just so many amazing stories in the OT world and we needed to bring that one forward. So we're going to start with our typical question and then we're going to dive into some coaching. So you alluded to it, but let's dive into it. Kristen, how do you get paid? Meaning what do you do to actually make money as an OT? Great question. So currently I, like I said, I'm the co-founder and um, newly retitled chief clinical officer of Imago Rehab. So I am paid a salary to work on bringing this company to grow it, to scale it, and to then bring this medical device that we are developing to the market. So my we raised investor funding to get this job done. And so our salaries comes from the investor funding. Tell me, who are you partnering with? Who's the CEO? Mm-hmm. Yep. So the CEO is um, Chrissy Glover. She was on the research team as well as a Harvard graduate from the design school. So um, she helped, we worked together to to work on versions of the device, to interact with um, individuals with stroke who were coming and trialing our device. And um, we went to ACRM, which is the American Congress of Rehab Medicine. We had a booth one year um, and everyone that visited our booth said, how do we buy this device? Where, how do you buy it? And that told us, okay, let's go. And so Christy said, I'll, I'll help raise the money. So she um, took over the job of raising the money and I worked on our clinical team. And so um, we provide therapy services to um, individuals with stroke. And yeah, that's, that's how I get paid. <laughs> so this 
therefore, if I'm following correctly, started as a Harvard Research Project. It then became Amago Rehab, yes. and it's a two-armed business. It's the product mm-hmm. and the therapy. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Okay. So there's a device and then a service. The device. You call it the device. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more about the device. Yeah. So we... Um, it is, it's a long project that's been at Harvard for a good long time. Um, and so it is a pneumatic robot. So this is a robot that's powered by air. Um, and there's chambers in the fingers that inflate and deflate. Um, and that pushes the hand open and closed. There's a number of published papers about this device. And so there's, you know, one more coming, uh, it's in the works. So what it does is it, you know, it put, we're, we're targeting people with stroke because they have a hand that doesn't open, right? So this problem, we try to solve it with splinting. We try to solve it with electrical stimulation. We try to solve it with self-stretching. Um, but what you need are repetitions. You need so many, so many repetitions. And so that's why the scientific world thinks that robots are a good idea because you're going to get bored of self-stretching. You can only tolerate so much e-stim. Um, and you can't wear your splint all day long or you shouldn't. Um, so a robot doesn't get tired and it does the work of getting those high numbers of repetitions. What's the device called? That's a great question. <laughs> Please I say like some, Jerry. Please say Charlie. Know, actually, right? that would be a full circle. <laughs> Larry is a joke in our family. That's our vacuum. Um, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have a name I'm workshopping, but I don't. I probably won't tell you what it is on this call, um, no but we just call it the soft robotic glove, which is not, not good enough, but you know, we'll get there and we'll probably use the name that's in my head, but TBD. Okay. TBD. So I'll whose take, idea? I'll take recommendations. Okay. I, well, Charlie, obviously. Perfect. Done. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so was it the research? I'm trying to get to the initiation kind of that fist on the table moment that we often talk about on this podcast or the initiation behind bringing it from a research company into a business, or pardon me, a research project into a business. Is that just a natural evolution of being in a, in a, in a tech role and then it becomes a startup? Walk me through that. Cause I don't yeah. know. Yeah. It's, it's, it was unfamiliar to me as well. Hmm. Um, there's, there's this known 17 year gap, you know, about this probably, Mm-mm. you know, okay. So this I is don't. interesting. I, I wrote about this in my thesis while at, okay. in Boston as well. I graduated from Boston university to get in post-professional OTD. Got so it. I wrote I wrote a thesis about, um, you know, how to use best practice for adults with stroke and what are we missing? Okay. Well, I'm so, glad I asked. <laughs> yeah, 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 so Primed you for an answer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Part of what I learned in that research was there is this 17-year gap between technological advances and cultural acceptance of the advance. Mm. I mean, and we're talking about people needing to get the best care and the best techniques. With- hey, Trish. Yes, Ashley? As an OT entrepreneur who's just starting to make money, I bet you've thought, oh my gosh, I just got my first few clients. What the heck do I do now? Don't worry. At Therabyte, we have you covered. We heard you and we created intake and consent templates just for you. So you've downloaded the template and now you can say, amazing, I know exactly how to get my client started. Oh, I wish I'd had this in the beginning. I pulled everything together 
and needed something this efficient. Okay, so where can listeners find these templates, Ashley? Super easy. The link will be in the show notes. You just hop over to our website, find templates, and you've got your download. Sounds great. Within three, six, 12 months of a stroke, I mean, people can get care. Let me be clear to say people can get care and make change tens of whatever, tens of, you know, so many years post-stroke and we see it every day, but, you know, obviously earlier is better. So we can't wait 17 years to give people the best care that is possible. Hmm. At Harvard, we were part of a translational medicine juggernaut called the Wyss Institute, W-Y-S-S. So that is a specially funded science, I don't even know what to call it, research institute, basically. Um, And they have funding from a man named Hansler Wyss. He gives them enormous amounts of money to generate world-class science and then move it from bench shop to bedside. They want it out of the lab. One of the taglines, I'm going to get it a little bit wrong, but something about, you know, these ideas are not worth anything unless they leave the lab. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so many amazing devices. There's 45 soft robotic gloves in literature that are being developed all over the world. So our concept is not the only soft robotic glove in the world. There are many, not many of them leave, leave the bench top. And how were you one of them? Was it because you were a part of the Wies? The Wies? Did I say that properly? It's German pronunciation. Right. Is it a V? Okay. A Wies? Got it. Yeah. Um, I think that was definitely the, a huge factor. Yeah, because I always said I would never run my own business. <laughs> Me too. You laughed. Okay. Yeah. Um, I watched I watched my dad run a business from our dining room table Me for too. my whole childhood. And I said, I won't do that. I want someone else to do the business, you know? I used to say uh, the exact so this, same thing. Yeah. So I eat my words just constantly. <laughs> it's been a humbling process. Um, yeah. I, I think that the Visa Institute made a huge deal, made, mm-hmm. made a huge impact on mm-hmm. saying hey, this gets out of the lab. And they, they supported us in a lot of ways. Um, Harvard has been very supportive and they open doors because it's Harvard, you know? Exactly. Say, We're from Harvard. And people are like, exactly. great, what you did must be good. Um, there, it comes with this respect um, because it did happen there, you know, yep. which, is, which is helpful. And then our other co-founder is Connor Walsh, who's a world-renowned engineering professor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so he, you know, settles for nothing but the best. So this device was ready it needs to leave. Yeah. So lots surrounding yourself with people who are <clears throat> not willing to settle yeah. has been a huge um, game changer for me. Okay. Another full circle moment. You know what we have written on our kitchen wall. And I actually put this up when my, my, when my Charlie was in grade six, <laughs> which is like, he's actually graduating from university next week. Yeah. Um, his grade six teacher handed him a piece of work back and said, don't settle. That's what it was oh, yes. written at the top. So yeah. we have don't settle written mm-hmm. in chalk on our board because it's it's like a way for people to check in with themselves as opposed to an external source saying like especially parenting like that's not good enough that's or whatever it's like you know did you do your best so Mm -hmm. another full circle moment so let's make a bridge then and I and I wanted to give time to Imago Rehab because it's not a typical story that we hear every day for an OT. So I love it. Plus, as we're going to dive into some questions 
about marketing and sales, it's good to know where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. So you had pre-selected talking a bit about the loop to 100K. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, the loop to get to 100K is having a niche, marketing it, selling it, getting paid for it, delivering it, and then having a testimonial. And you walked through each of those steps and you felt like some of those were great strengths. And what do you feel is part of that loop to 100K that you're missing that you want some focus on today? Mm-hmm. Um, ours, what, what I wrote on my form was the, the marketing it and the selling it. I had a question of what that meant. Um, we have a niche, we get paid for it, but we would like to get paid a lot more <laughs> um, because we do, we have, we have OTs on staff and I would love them to be, you know, stupidly busy and, and have a waiting list and, and, you know, be, be scaling and growing. And we're not there yet. We're, we're um, in the, we have something really good, but we need more people to know about it. Phase. Right. I love it. So when we're talking about this, are we talking about the product and the service or are we talking about one or the other? Um, we are talking about currently the telehealth business because okay. the device, we cannot sell our device yet. That's true for, you know, there's medical devices in, until they are registered with the FDA, they cannot be sold. They can be so, utilized. Right. That was my next question. Yeah. Then, so is part of your niche that you're using this device in therapy? So that's actually the offer. Like you get this telehealth service with this device? Yes, I, I will be, again, this, we mentioned, I mentioned to you before we started that there might be certain things I'm cagey yep. about. So yes, we, we offer a telehealth service for adults with stroke because I firmly believe that a device in and of itself is not going to fix the problem. Correct. Stroke, right. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if I want someone to actually get recovery, I might need, they might need a device that does something, but there's a lot more that needs to happen as well. Okay, and so that's wonderful. the service that we can provide. Yeah. Okay. I think I understand. So let me ask you a few questions. Mm-hmm. Do you have a critical number? Do you have a thing that you know that you need to sell and how much you need to sell of it each quarter or each year or each month? In the short term, we are working towards getting to a hundred a hundred clients. Okay. So is that what your metric is? It's clients. It's not number of devices that are put into the world. Okay. Uh, Well, I mean, yeah, it's like, this is more of a short-term, I think this is more of our short-term goal that's, that we hope is achievable now. Mm -hmm. And then with the idea of a startup is, is copy and paste. So that's, that's, you know, these are terms I learned from being in the startup world that I never really planned on is. You know, you're supposed to make a, I'll go backwards on my screen. You're supposed to make a hockey stick. So you're supposed right. to start out and then have this really, you know, large growth. So you need to be ready to you figure out what works and then you make it recreatable. Exactly. So you want to figure out how do we get to a hundred clients? That, exactly. that does some nice things for us in terms Great. of staffing and in terms of relationships with referral sources and stuff like that. And then we can take that model and keep it going. Brilliant. Okay. So is that a hundred clients for a year? Uh, no, that's a good question. It's a hundred clients at a time. Okay. So are you dividing that? Like when is the end of this time? The end of 2023? <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> like, not to think like a scientist or anything. <laughs> I'd make it measurable, but 
<laughs> I know. No, it's, it's, it's really, it's a great question. I think it's like going, going from, you know, zero clients yeah. to a hundred clients, Yeah, a hundred clients to, yeah, that's, it's the beginning of beginning of the curve, but it's a great question. It's just, okay. I'm not a numbers person. And so, well, and this is why I'm asking, right? Because yeah. actually sales and marketing, and that's okay that you're not. And that's actually yeah. what is so fascinating about this conversation is you can be in so like your area of expertise blows me away. I feel like, you know, I could, you know, be a bump on a log when I listen to you and contribute zip nothing. Um, so don't panic that you don't know. This is why we begin to ask these questions because then we can uncover some really interesting things. So let's make an assumption it's 100 clients a year, okay? okay. And let's make an assumption, if that's okay with you, that it's like 25 clients a quarter. That means that we would be treating 25 clients a quarter. We want to be, what I'm saying is we want to be treating a hundred people at a time. So that would be, you know, would that be 400 clients a quarter? Maybe 400 clients for the year, a hundred clients. That, okay. So now we're getting, okay, so I'm you want to be treating, well, again, <laughs> you know, and I guess, again, we're making assumptions, but sure. how many clients are you, are you able to divulge these numbers now? Are you, how many clients are you treating right now? We'll say 20, just keep the okay. numbers. So you want to get to, um, you know, 80 more clients within what length of time? Four months. Okay, great. Six months. Yeah. Okay. So which do you want to do the math on? Four or six? <laughs> Can you do the math? Sure. I'm just saying like, <laughs> I'm going to do six months. Sure. I'm going to like, do six months. It, yeah. yeah. Just so you want it. 80, hold on, I'm doing this right now. So you want 80 in six months. So you basically okay. want like, 12 cl more clients every month. Okay. okay. Yeah. So then let's talk a bit about what are the clients buying? And this is a question that I ask people who have something, who are making money, mm -hmm. um, who are, you know, closing in on that uh, like 100K. And that is the thing that sells the thing. Okay. So what is the thing that sells getting one of those clients? Is it a sales call? Is it a trial? Is it like, and we're, we're starting to get into the thing that you know, once you have them in that sphere, they will likely buy from you. Do you know that? Yeah, I would say it's most likely to be a sales call okay. um, and or a a, an intro from their physician who says, I know about this service. You should try it. I think the thing that sells the thing, which is how you said it yeah. is we are selling our expertise mm -hmm. in this, in this domain. Mm -hmm. So we, because what we do, what we, we do such a good job of mm -hmm. this type of stroke rehab. Mm -hmm. That's what people are getting from our service. They're getting our expertise that is very effective, but they have right. to get they have to become. They have to become aware of it. Well, and see, this is why it's such an interesting question, right? Because yeah. is it is it the referral that sells the thing? Like, as soon as you get a referral, do you know what your conversion rate is? So, from the minute they say, so the step would be they get a referral from their physician, they call somebody who answers the phone. Okay, you do. So, then of those refer physician referrals, mm -hmm. how many? Let's say you get. 10. We get How roughly 25% conversion right now. 25%. Okay, yeah. got it. So then have you ever had people that have bought it without an intro from the physician? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. Is the conversion rate lower or higher? Like from the web or something like that? Exactly. From outside a physician. I think it's lower. We get, we get contacted, but we don't get a lot of follow through. Okay. So that's a number I would be really curious for you to know, because again, that allows you to get really focused on the critical number, right? Like if you know that, and again, this is, this is where I think the numbers become a little interesting and we're not going to like harp on them much beyond this piece, but if altogether, if every single call that you have equals a 30% conversion rate, but when you start to parse it out and physician referral is 25 then you begin to know where you really want to put your efforts behind the thing. Yeah. What is the most successful? Exactly. And that's the critical number. So again, you and your team can start to say, is it the number of people we get on a sales call or is it clients or is it actually physician referrals? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think you can become more streamlined. This is what I really love about the math. So that's the number one suggestion I have for you is figure out what your conversion rate is in toto. That's Latin because you went to Harvard. Um, <laughs> I went to James Madison University. Okay. Well, and you know, you were, you actually had a job at Harvard. I was merely Harvard. Yeah. yeah. I was merely an athlete and uh, like sang songs for Harvard <laughs> and paid a lot of rent towards Harvard. Um, okay. So then, uh, then I say it because you have a PhD. So like in total, I would automatically to get really streamlined on marketing and sales say, Again, we want to get to the root of the problem. So is it like, is it that you know that with the physician referrals, it's a higher conversion number and therefore that's what you focus on or what, what do those numbers look like? The second thing is then we want to play around with some of those levers, right? So in, let's talk about sales. So marketing is like people that raise their hand and they say like, I know about you. I'm interested in you. I want to be in your sphere we might even get on a call together, right? That's a lead. They have an exchange of information. That's the marketing piece. And then the sales is, yes, I will buy it. Mm -hmm. So off the top of your head, where are the other 75% of people that don't buy? What are they saying or where are they going? Maybe as many as 50% are just Mm -hmm. skeptical Mm -hmm. that therapy post-stroke can be effective over telehealth. Interesting. Okay. So it's a, it's an innovation in healthcare problem. You know, it's okay. that 17 yep. year gap that says, exactly. Hey, we have some evidence that says this is effective and we have evidence ourselves yep. that the people we treat are getting better by a lot. Um, it's an almost like yeah. an early adopter mentality. It's like the totally. people that stand in line for the yep. first iPhone. Okay. Yep. Got it. Yep. Because the people that are like, I'll give it a go. Totally. They love it. Okay. They love this. Um, okay. but also what we, the telehealth we give is very specific. It is not just we don't just happen to be behind a computer. We have a very specialized protocol, which I will not share. Um, but <laughs> so don't ask. It's a secret. <laughs> a secret. Um, a what about the other uh, 25%? Oh, things like, you know, we don't take their insurance. Mm-hmm. Or they just didn't answer the phone. Mm-hmm. You know? Do I'm you not sure have what a- it is exactly. Great. So mm-hmm. again, another thing to begin to focus on. I think you need a bit more data. And I loved, I hate math, by the way. I need, I will always say this in Ontario where I grew up, we had five years of high school. And so we had grade 13 and I needed to go to my math tutorial every single morning. And I had a math tutor twice a week to pass grade 13 math. Okay. Mm -hmm. However, this isn't, 
this isn't math. This is, well, I mean, it is a little, but it's also like stories. And the other thing is, is it gives you a focus. And as a scientist with your like massive brain, I want you to have this focus. So again, do we want to, because we can't fix everything right away. Do we want to fix the 50% problem of the common objection? Or do we want to find out about the 25% that have lots of other objections? I would say, I'd say the 50%. Me too. You know, exactly. Because I think there is evidence and we're just That's not what I mean. it to them. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So again, from your, from your, mm-hmm. so if you could bump that up, <clears throat> pardon me, I've got a frog in my throat, which is not something you want on a podcast. <laughs> um, if you, if you could, so here's the thing, let's quickly take a step back. We've got traffic, we've got leads and we've got customers. And from a pipeline point of view, people always think I need to pour more traffic in the top in order to get more customers at the bottom, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. However, what we're really talking about is the conversion rates between those two yeah. things. So yeah. if you have like a ton of traffic and 1% converts, I'm going extremes here for like the yeah, purpose yeah. of illustration, then do you want to keep throwing more traffic at that? At that point? No, I agree. So <laughs> I think if you're losing 50%, I think that's a fabulous opportunity for you to even change that. So that would be a metric that I would bring back to the team and track almost every week, almost every two weeks, because then like little shifts in that means you don't need to be like, at that point, it becomes not a traffic problem. It becomes a lead to customer problem. Yeah. And I think then your messaging could be very, very focused. When you're on that call, Kristen, do you feel like you have a format for a sales call or a really solid way to deal with some of those objections? It's funny because I I think as an OT, you know, the question I get is, is this, is your program going to work for me? For sure. And as an OT, you know, I want to say, yes, we, you know, I, we can do, we can help you. You know, you are someone who's had therapy before, you know, I'm going to guess maybe it wasn't that great. There's mm-hmm. not, you know, I don't want to get too far into it, but I, mm-hmm. but I, I think there's a big lack in the amount of therapy that people get mm-hmm. and the quality of that therapy. Mm-hmm. So yes, from my time at Harvard, as you write academic papers, you can't just say, I know. I have the solution. This thing works. You have to poke holes in your own theories and say, here are the places that it's weak. This was, I don't have a PhD. I have a clinical doctorate. Okay. In my thesis, you have to do the same thing. You have to say, here are the gaps. Here are the things I don't know. So I think this has been really, this has been enlightening for me to think about. It's the, it's probably the message is not strong enough. That's what I was going to say too. the, The evidence of whether this is going to be useful to the person or not. Um, and so maybe I'm being conservative with what I'm willing to promise people, right? Correct. So, so let's talk about that. There. Let's talk about that because yeah. I don't want you to not be a scientist. I don't want you to not be yeah. evidence-based. And yet there is a flip. We talk about this all the time in the Road to 100K and the 100K Club, which is like people, we talk about promise, process, and price. That's what's in the offer. And so many of us go to the process and so many of us go, like get trapped up on the price when we're not doing a good enough job with the promise. And listen, you can't promise an outcome, yeah. but you can promise a specific type of transformation. Okay. And you can use, so 
I'm not asking you to abandon your evidence-based. I'm asking you to think from a transformation point of view. And the other advantage you have here, Kristen, is you're you're giving me, without knowing it, real insight into who your buyer is. And so talking about those pieces of like, if you are an early, like the messaging, if you're the one that's standing in line for the first iPhone, if you're the one that sells all your Apple devices to people like Trish (laughs) in the parking lot of a Tim Hortons, because she doesn't need the first anything of an Apple watch. (laughs) Truly, I have a dealer. She's like an engineer. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, really. I found this woman and I was like, do you sell all your stuff? She's like, it's one of my things. I just buy all the new stuff from Apple. I'm like, I'll buy all your second stuff. She's like, great. Because I don't need that. Um, but so, I mean, the, you know who your people are, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not just a physician referral here. It's like where your customer is at on their journey. Have they tried things that haven't worked? You kind of said it. Or are they early the, the early adopter? And therefore, the things that you're going to object to are not just will this work. It's specific on the, like, what do people buy? Of course, they buy outcomes, but they also buy urgency, things that make things go faster. Mm -hmm. They buy things that are scarcity, things that aren't available to everybody else. They buy um, evidence, and that's where you can come back. I mean, you, most of us rely on testimonials. You have actual science. Mm -hmm. So part of it, I believe, is also going to be when they're in their sphere, like let's say they get that physician referral do you need to pre-teach them before they even get on the phone? Do you need to get a specific kind of message out to them yeah. to warm them up? And that's that might be the thing to move in the marketing while you're still trying to get extra physician referrals. So what what happens to them before they get on the phone? What do they get from you? That's a good question. Not enough. Yeah, there we <laughs> go. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. So again, I, I haven't actually looked at, uh, at your website. I, I, you know, I think I did, but I don't think I opened it up again before our call. So this is where life becomes really interesting in a very, like you've got, you're sitting on it. You've got something that lots of people wish they had. Like when I had my bricks and mortar therapy company, I was like, okay, we had a niche, but it, like you've got a real niche, right? <laughs> and so do they need a video from you? Like when they, and you can put all this on automation, right? Like, do they need a, hi, my name's Kristen. Here's my story. Here's the story of Bob. Here's the story of Linda. Here are, I bet you're thinking, right? What is this therapy going to do differently than other therapies? Blah, 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 blah. Like, I wonder if you could almost warm them up before they get on a call to see if that conversion rate would help. You can do that on a website as well. Yeah. Um, and that actually gets you, if you had those videos, for example, embedded in your website, then that would get you more SEO. So yes. you could just shoot them your website or make sure, I don't know how you want to do it. You might want to do something like make sure you look at our website and check yeah. out this video, right? Yeah. What do you think I've been that working would... on our, I've been working on our Instagram um, for the okay. last weeks with these type of pre-post, you know. Does your ideal client video. live on Instagram though? Probably not, but right. but we are doing a website redesign right now, right. and it will have links to our socials. So I needed something to be there when they for sure. So I don't. Well, so yeah. again, this is data that you need. Like, is it their kids that are getting in front of it? Maybe. Like, is it yeah. right? Yeah. Is it the Silicon Alley guy? 
who's the VC and in, in being like, no, dad, you need this. You need this. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah. those are the yeah. things that I want you to start. <laughs> right. But again, who's your, who's, who's the major one? If it's, if it's, you know, to get really traditional, if it's Sally, the wife, mm-hmm. that's going to be a very different message than that you're going to put them when they get into that pipeline, not necessarily on your website. Right. But when, they, when you start to like need to hear what is the typical ideal client and what is the typical objection they have? You can throw that kind of earlier in the pipeline. Yeah, because otherwise they just hear my voice and that's not enough because they've heard their therapist voices before. They've well, and it's a, it's a lot of information for them to consume in one call. They're also probably going to be like, I need to think about it because you're presenting a whack ton of info. So you might need to consider that the different stages of your client's buying journey, yeah. right? So early adopt, like, so the 25% that buy right away, I'm assuming physician, early adopters, go for it. Let's do it. Yep. Okay. Yep. Highly motivated. So, let's just try Exactly. Something. So, I mean, that's your ideal client, right? We yeah, don't want to take right. away from that. And sure. also, we also want to think about, like, would you say that the 50% that you're not converting on that call that are still not sure of the tech, mm-hmm. are they your ideal client or are they kind of tire kickery? Like, do you hang up the phone and go, oh man, they're perfect. Mm-hmm. A lot of times. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's the number I think we want to focus on. Yeah. And maybe they need to hear different things at different times before they get on a call with you. And the last question is, what about after? after if they it. haven't bought. Okay. What do you guys do? Um, we follow up over email or over HIPAA protected texting. For sure. So that's been the, the an email or a call we'll, we'll do. We've been doing that. We just added the texting. Um, Great. So we do try to follow up to give people a second, you know, second shot at it, but occasionally it works. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes it doesn't. Usually, I would say usually it doesn't. If they said no the first time, they they tend to not respond again. But I agree that the messaging is, would be, if the messaging were better and maybe more personal or more, I don't know, emphatic, maybe just kind of like thinking of a word here, but it's like, I think personal is really what would would make a difference. Well, and I would also want you to consider the questions you're asking on that sales call, right? So are you getting the, the, not just the pain point, like I had a stroke, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but like, why? Is it so important now? What is the future casting going to look like if they sign on with you versus if they take therapy for somebody else? Because I don't think people are saying no to therapy. I could be wrong. Like, I don't think the option is you or nothing, <laughs> right? So then future yeah. casting, what uh, an outcome would look like with you. And that to me, I'm hearing is speed, you know, mm-hmm. research, quality, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, also, like, what is, what is the cost of them going with somebody else? What is the urgency that they need for you right now? These are more refined questions that you can begin to ask them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, at the clinic, we charged a whack ton of money for our assessments. And we had a flat fee and we had, so we took all the hours out of it 
it was like, we do direct, we do indirect. And then we also had a parent education session where people could come back. And I had my teenagers babysit for free so that parents could, I mean, especially if it was after school, right? Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that actually, by bumping up, that actually got us far more success with our little clients. And part of what a main objection was, was people saying, yeah, but the place down the street is 150 an hour and they're only going to charge me an hour and a half for an assessment. And I say, and guess what happens with that? Here's why we are different. We're different because we actually save you money on the other end. And our assessment is so detailed because this is the way we've been trained. And we actually make sure that before we even make a plan for your little person, we have all the data we need. And you and your person, your co-partner, whomever, and your family, bring your nanny, bring your grandkids, like bring your grandparents. We, we were like the more the merrier and start to understand this report because I'm trying to teach you to think like an OT now. Yeah. Because I, I'm not going to be in Joey's life forever. So those, and they'd be like, oh, really? And I'd say, yeah, like, please go. And by the way, here's two people and say that Trish sent them. Like, they're great. But here's why we set this up differently. Mm -hmm. Because most people that came were like, urgency. Yeah. They can't function Mm -hmm. with the problem they're having right now. Yeah, especially with their children, right? Like, that was a huge, Mm -hmm. massive, quote, unquote, Mm -hmm. pain point. And uh, so we did something out of the box. but so are you. And we did it for a really darn good reason. By the way, that was pioneered at the Star Center. So we did have some evidence that wasn't just ours. And when people, like not a ton of people asked us, I was shocked that how few people would ask us evidence-based questions when they're like, well, what's the frequency of your visits? And I'm like, well, typically once a week, very rarely would people say, well, where's the evidence for that? And if they did, I'd be like, it doesn't exist. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's it. Exactly. I'm like, yeah, well, you know, the Star Center is pioneering the science on this, but most of it's just anecdotal. Like I was as much of a scientist as I was a sales and marketing person, but because we really approached with that transformation and we knew who our clients were and we knew why they wanted to buy from us. I never abandoned my OT-ness, but I was shocked how little I needed to talk about the process and the price and the evidence versus this is why we're doing it this way. I've been wondering how and when and with what to rewrite the script that I use. So this gives me a lot of a lot of uh, work to do in the next couple of weeks, <laughs> which is great. Well, we can't follow up with scripts so much here, but if you want to go into the OTs Get Paid Facebook group, and I mean, again, I recognize that, like a lot of this is R&D and you might not want to share it, but you know, sales scripts is literally one of the things I was most fascinated by. And we all, <laughs> the other thing is, I'm going to do actually an in-service about, or a masterclass about this at some point. I keep thinking about what the title would be because so many people think they have a marketing problem but in so many cases, like your own, it, I mean, it's not a problem. It's actually a sales challenge mm. that you've got right now because yeah. you've, got, you've got the leads, mm-hmm. right? Now you've got some focus mm-hmm. that you felt was more that spray and pray. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, this number, this metric, this mm-hmm. many people a month, this many people a week, this many physician referral. Let's see if we can change the messaging, the script, and to increase that rate from, or, or what you need to send them kind of earlier down the pipeline, yeah. so to speak, mm-hmm. before to make that number go from 50 to 75 in 
a month or two. Does that feel like a doable plan or does so. that feel like overwhelm yeah. plan? No, I, I had been suspecting that there was a problem with the message. Yeah, that, well, let's not call that, it a problem. Let's call it like okay. there. this is a way of solving that current issue. And that's the fun thing about business is if you ask the right questions, then you get to really hone in on how to like make that lever a stronger lever because you've got a ton of levers in place. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's been that challenge of prove it to me. And so much in the stroke world is like, oh, every stroke is different and everybody mm-hmm. recovers different. Blah, blah. Nobody wants to hear that. They mm-hmm. want to say, I can do this for you. Mm-hmm. These are the tools I'm going to use. So I think the, the message can be bolder. And we have, absolutely we have good data that shows. Uh-huh. That you literally have the like you're, really you have <laughs> you have a again, that would be like a strength. If you do a SWOT analysis, strength, weakness, opportunities, and threats, you have a strength and an opportunity that any other, you know, what do I want to say? Like provider for, yeah. for your type of client is, doesn't have, like <laughs> you literally are sitting on a gold mine that they would yeah. want. Yeah. And so how do you leverage that in your conversations and when do you leverage that? Yeah. You know, I hear this from a lot of people that the, the clients don't want data. They don't want to, they don't want the data. And I, I don't think that's true at all. In well, my experience, the clients want the data. We just don't give it to them. So we now do. You can test that's it. Something that, that's something that we do. We give them the data. We make sure they know what do they score on their outcomes assessment? What does that number mean? What do they, what do they want to score? What is a good change? We do all kinds of data analysis with them because it gives them fuel to say, here's my goal. Here's how I'm going to achieve it. Here's what I'm working on. And they are invested. Right. So. So I think that is what happens after they become a client, right? Yes. Yes. And so (laughs) you don't want to like pound them with data. Like it's what data do you need to give them at the beginning? So if you want evidence, we, here's what we track Mm -hmm. and here's what the average person shows in terms of like, there we go. Yeah. yeah. So again, I I think you need to seed it more before they come in and then mm-hmm. like really tighten up that call. That's what I would yeah. I would suggest. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So how can people find you? Well, they can go to our website, which is www.imagorehab.com. I-M-A-G-O. And come in about a month from now <laughs> because there's a massive update happening and the new website's going to be awesome. I'm excited about it. And they can look for us on Instagram. And Facebook, same at Imago Rehab. That's wonderful. So we're Knuckles on LinkedIn. So yeah, love to talk to people. So we're recording this in February. I think this is going out March and April. So by then, I think the website. Yes, everything should be good. Come to our website. (laughs) Wonderful. Thank you so much for like leaning into this and recording it so that everybody can take advantage of this learning. Thank you. You're welcome. This has been OTs Get Paid, recorded live in Studio C. That's Studio Closet. I'm Trish Williams. If you have feedback on today's episode, send us a DM on IG at OTs Get Paid or join our Facebook group at OTs Get Paid. We would really love to hear from you. We'd also love it if you could subscribe and write a review for the podcast. Each month, I'll pick a random review for a shout out to get your name and business on the air. Until next time. Okay.